privilege of maybe hopping over the border just to help out New South Wales because apparently they have more churches than me and so they're always busy. But I love coming down here. So we consider Lismore to be part of the Queensland family, if that's okay, and that includes around the state of origin time. Um, so please come on board with us. Um, but today, yeah, that works. Today, um, I'm going to be talking about making room for what matters. And uh, it was just so great to hear John in communion just setting the platform um, for even today's message. Uh, what is Christmas really all about? And what does it mean for us? You know, do we make room for what matters most? Um, and as I said, I'll be sharing a little bit about Mima and uh, tying that all in together. But for those who don't know who Baptist World Aid is, I might just give a few minutes just to go over what we actually do. Um, we're actually the largest Baptist aid organisation in the world. Now that sounds a pretty cool thing to be. Um, God started uh, working here in Australia with Baptist World Aid about 64 years ago now, just with child sponsorship. Now today we work with large uh, international aid organisations and governments all over the world. We uh, partner with the extraordinary Christian organisations and churches in some of the poorest uh, sorry, um, places in the world. Um, currently we do 68 projects. Uh, that fluctuates uh, depending on need. Uh, working in 24 countries, and some of these countries are the poorest places like Nepal, Cambodia, um, many countries in Africa. Uh, we've just started up a whole lot of community-based work in the church uh, in Bangladesh, which we're incredibly excited about as well. Um, but some of the other things we do, and Paul actually prayed for peace this morning, it's something that's really tricky, isn't it? Um, we do disaster aid, which covers all sorts of things from earthquakes, and we've been working in um, Afghanistan and Syria, and that work is continuing uh, due to the severity of what actually over there um, occurred with the loss of life, and there's so much rebuilding to be done. But we are actually, believe it or not, working in the Middle East uh, currently. Um, there is a church, a Baptist church, in the Gaza Strip um, and yes aid obviously is something that we can't get in there at the moment but we're working in conjunction with other Baptist churches in the Middle East at the moment um, and it's just not in Israel it's the Middle East in general um, that we're supporting so continue to pray but pray for peace um, and last year, I might have mentioned our work in the Ukraine, we're doing lots of work over there. And uh, again, we, we can't do it without the support of the Australian church. And 6% uh, of the funding from Australia has been going directly into uh, the Baptist Union of uh, the Ukraine to support their pastors on the front line, where it's most needed with aid and equipment, food and shelter. But the other 40% goes on to the borders, mainly to look after the women and children, the most vulnerable of all. Uh, now, sadly, um, the bad guys, I guess we could use that word, uh, are often there before we can get there to um, push them into the sex industry or the slave industry. So we do a lot of work there, so continue to pray for us there. We also do so much advocacy work here in Australia where, again, we can, through our own politicians, um, make noise um, and have a voice to speak for those overseas who don't have a voice. So we're uh, constantly working with local 
politicians but also federal politicians and there's a little campaign we're running at the moment where um, we're actually working directly with Penny Wong and this has been going on now for about eight weeks where um, we're getting um, or trying to get 10,000 Baptist um, church, uh, sorry not churches people here in Australia to represent 10,000 Christian Burmese people in Australia to sign this little petition um, which basically puts pressure on the military junta. Um, we're excited to say that we have a Christian partner on the ground. We can't tell you too much about it because it's very uh, politically sensitive. But we're working very closely with our government. So if you're interested in that, just come and see me after. Um, but the other thing that we like to shout, and I think I probably did tell this church, I've got to re, uh, always rewind, what did I tell a church 12 months ago? Uh, but we have been voted second best practices in Australia for community development and child and kids sponsorship um, here in Australia, which is a really big thing for us. But there is certainly a lot of need at the moment. And I guess I've got to say that uh, for Baptist World Aid, and we've seen it in our own communities and especially Lismore. You've seen it with COVID, with lots of flooding. Um, but we've just seen an escalation of need around this world. It's easy to throw our hands up in despair and lament or sometimes walk away because uh, we can sometimes just be overwhelmed by what is happening. I guess if I ask you the question uh, right now, when you think of the world currently, what do you think? What do you feel? What goes on in your mind? I bet there's a lot of emotion. There's a lot of things happening. It seems out of control. There's a little term that I'm hearing in Baptist circles, in the church circus of, uh, um, circle of, uh, called compassion fatigue. I've even heard the word mission fatigue, community fatigue. And the list goes on and on. However, we need that we, uh, um, sorry, however, we know that we need to come back to the bigger story of God's mission, his amazing love, his amazing grace, and the story of redemption. And this Christmas is an incredible uh, moment to just reflect and sit back and look at God's story, God's mission. It started back in the garden. And the thing is, we're all, uh, we are all actually part of that mission here. Now, we sang a song where the word eternity was used, and I just love this verse, and I may have used it again last year, so please forgive me if there's a little bit of repeat on a, a few things, but there's a lot of difference as well. Um, but it's Ecclesiastes 3.11, and it says this simply, He has made everything beautiful in its time. Now, I just want you to stop there and think about that first part of the verse, He's made everything beautiful beautiful in his time not some things not a portion but scripture says he's made everything beautiful in its time but he's also placed eternity in the human heart and then it goes on to say yet no one can fathom what God is doing from beginning to end and I often go back to the, that verse when I'm starting to feel some of those things that I said just a few minutes ago you know I've got to stop and go hang on a minute God is in control. God is constantly at work. And the question for me to you is, do you believe that? Got another question, do you dream? We do as an organisation. And we dream of a world where poverty has ended and all people enjoy the fullness of life 
that God wants, that God desires, that God intends. Now that's a pretty big statement that we want to see all people, that we want to see the end of poverty. But the thing is, you are all essential to this dream, and here's how. We ask you to support communities. We co-labour with churches and communities around Australia and together, and we serve with local Christian partners helping vulnerable communities flourish and fight poverty. We ask you to pray. We ask you to pray for a better world. And we love testimony and answers of prayers, and it was just beautiful to hear that testimony, sorry, testimony this morning. You see, God does answer prayer. And when we hear testimony, that does something inside of us. It empowers us. And I just want you to think about blessings too. In this last year, just reflect on the multiple blessings that have actually occurred. We have got so much to be thankful for. And we ask you, as we talked about before, to help tackle injustice. And we help Australians tackle injustice of global poverty through the politicians, as I said, and you can speak and you can act and you can challenge the system that causes injustice. And that's why God's story of restoration through reconciliation is so radical. And it's in Jesus. God is reconciling all things into relationship with him and with each other in all facets of life. And the thing is, he invites us to be the ambassadors for reconciliation. So let's join him. I would have definitely used this verse last time because I use it in every message. It doesn't matter where I go, but it's Micah 6.8. And if you have your Bibles, and I always do, John, bring this up as a backup <laughs> because I get lost too if I use digital. Um, but um, it's a great verse, uh, this one here, where... The prophet 700 years ago, uh, sorry, 700 years before Christ, I should say, not ago, before Christ, Micah actually wrote this in chapter 6, verse 8. He's shown you, O mortal, what is good, and what does the Lord require of you to act justly, to love mercy, and to walk humbly with your God. Three very, very simple steps, you might say, and some people might say, yes, to do justice might be easy, right? To um, walk humbly, well, yes. To show mercy, I don't know, in a tough world like this, what does that look like? But walking humbly with God is actually the basis of everything that we do. You see, if we walk with him in his word, and if we constantly are in prayer with him, it will enable us to be filled with mercy for those around us and to carry out justice for those who don't have a voice. And doing justice is actually the most simple definition of it is simply doing right by your fellow man. It's actually following in the footsteps of Jesus, being his hands and feet, salt and light. And I often refer to this church as that lighthouse on the hill that can shine down on the city. It's, that's what justice is all about and showing mercy. N.T. Wright puts God's kind of justice this way. He says this, Justice is what love looks like when it is facing the problems that its neighbours are dealing with. Justice is what love looks like when it's facing the problems that its neighbours do. Well, it's one week. Let's see if we can... Oh, I missed that one there before. Um, it's one week till Christmas. Not too far away before we celebrate the most 
significant or one of the most significant dates in history. And as John alluded to, it's not too far before um, we um, come into a time when we celebrate Easter and what God or Jesus did for us. And then there's the resurrection. There's a whole story here. But if I asked you today if you could actually explain Christmas in a very simple small paragraph to somebody in your neighbourhood or your community or your next door neighbour or somebody that didn't know Jesus, what would that actually look like? It's a great time to reflect and think that question. And as I said, I've titled this message today, Making Room for What Matters. And I was immediately drawn to the birth of Jesus. And as John said today, in a very unconventional birth setting, it was dirty, more than likely, probably smelly, and it was surrounded by unfamiliar guests. And we sang about it today, even when we sang Noel. There are angels, shepherds, some pretty incredible guests, really. I haven't um, sat with an angel before, but I will one day. Look forward to it. There were angels where, they, um, sorry, where room was made for one of the most significant gifts that has ever been given to mankind. And it's Jesus the King. It's sad, you know, when often happens around Christmas, you hear those that actually don't follow Jesus, that don't have the kingdom perspective, often use this uh, little terminology that they're here for a short time and a good time. And that's a sad and lonely comment that we often hear when people lose perspective of what really matters in, uh, and the role that they should be playing in humanity. For most of us, Christmas is abundant with wonderful, incredible things such as friends, family, giving and receiving, preparing and sharing meals, holidays, children's concerts and Marie and I have already endured a few of those uh, with grandkids over the last couple of weeks and we loved every minute of it. However, at the same time, it can be challenging and uh, for some, it's hard for us to make room in our mind for some of the most important things, especially reflecting on God's extraordinary gift to us in Jesus. Now, approximately seven year, uh, sorry, 700 years ago, I've done it twice today, approximately 700 years ago, Micah, and we've heard a little bit from Isaiah today, which was around about that same period of time, and I love prophecy, and I love seeing the fulfilment, but again, in Micah, uh, approximately 700 years before the birth of Jesus, he wrote this in chapter 5, verse 2. It says this, But you, Bethlehem, though you were small among the clans of Ju uh, Judah, out of you will come for me one who will be ruler over Israel, whose origins are from of old and ancient times. And if you do have your Bibles, you can flick it open to Luke chapter 2, where I just want to touch on what Michael was talking about here. In verse 7 of Luke chapter 2, Luke actually speaks of God's incredible gift. And he gives this picture. It says this, And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son, and she wrapped him in clothes and she placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for him. Now what a picture. It's the Son of God being born, not in a palace, and John alluded to, to that this morning, because that's what we think, that a king should be born in a palace. But 
he came to come and experience man, incarnate, no, sorry, incarnate, and dwell amongst us. Mary and Joseph went off to a stable, off by themselves, off alone. No space was reserved for Jesus when he came. There was no hospitality, there was no uh, welcome as there was a severe amount of overcrowding in and around Bethlehem and the local residents and visitors alike were unwilling or unable to receive Jesus when he was born. But the beauty is in all of this is that Mary and Joseph, they knew and they knew what mattered most of all at that time. And the lack of room of Jesus is an age-old problem. There still is severe overcrowding going on this very day. Our minds are overcrowded, our news and information uh, and our hearts are overcrowded with innumerable concerns. Our schedules are overcrowded with things to do. The malls are overcrowded. Jam-packed with shoppers out there to get their Black um, Friday specials. The highways are overcrowded with traffic and uh, it doesn't matter where you seem to go. There's noise, there's busyness. And we run the risk of not having enough room for our personal inn to receive Jesus this Advent and when Christmas arrives. If we want to well prepare for Christmas, it is essential to make room in our hearts to receive Jesus. No matter how busy we may be and no matter how much hustle and bustle may exist, no matter how many distractions and mental preoccupations may swirl around in our minds, we need to set aside time and space to welcome Emmanuel, our Saviour, the Lord Jesus Christ. And making space for Jesus, well, once we do that, then we can make space also for others. And the greatest gift that we can offer anyone is to bring Jesus to them, being his hands, being his feet in a broken world and recognising what matters most. There are multiple reasons why Jesus came and here is just a few of them. You see, Jesus came to serve. He came to give his life. Jesus came, uh, came to proclaim good news. Jesus came to seek and save the lost. And Jesus came that the world might be saved. There's a favourite verse of mine, which is John 10.10. 10. It says this. Jesus also says that the thief, he's referring to Satan here, comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But it goes on to say that I have come that, that they, as in us, may have life and have it to the full. And if you don't know Jesus yet, or you wish to find out more, please take the time to speak to somebody like Pastor John or somebody you know here in this church. We might pop the next slide. It's, it's gone dead here. Thanks so much. We watched that short video at the beginning, um, introducing Mima. Now, Mima, in actual fact, is to many, a superhero. Now, she might just seem a very ordinary uh, lady from Nepal, but there's an incredible testimony and story behind her. You see, she has made room for what really matters as well in her community through the love of Jesus, through the support of churches here in Australia, and through the support of our Christian partners on the ground.
So I just want to finish by sharing her story. As I said, Mina, she's a, a superhero. And uh, the world needs many superheroes like her. Mina, an impoverished, shunned grandmother, becomes instrumental in breaking the bonds of poverty in her own community. It's a story of bold courage, righteous defiance, overflowing generosity and baby goats. You saw her in the video with her little goat farm there. Now, when I say the word hero, what do you think of? Uh, I know what I think of, right? Um, we expect heroes to be full of strength, battle the villains and save the day for the grateful victims. But that's not for fairy tales. Uh, sorry, but that's only for um, fairy tales. It's not uh, the real world. In low social economic communities where the villains are actually named poverty, injustice, discrimination and hunger, the villains, uh, sorry, the heroes I should say, are everyday people who step up to transform lives and also uh, themselves for their families and also for their communities. So Mina, um, she's not that old actually, and it's not uncommon. Many of these women marry very, very young. She's a grandmother. Um, she lives in the southern uh, part of Nepal with her husband, her father-in-law, her two sons, her daughter-in-law, and her little grandson, Kiran. And these days, they are very happy and they're very um, much uh, thriving and enjoying life to the full. But it wasn't always this way. Mina recalls, she says this, My early years were very difficult and I never went to school and I was married when I was only 16. There were 32 members of our family and I had to do a lot of physical work after arriving at my husband's house. Now, could you just imagine that at the age of 16, forced into child marriage? And Maria and I were talking about it on the way down here. Uh, we've got huge programs, in particular in Bangladesh and Nepal, to actually prevent child marriage. And many young girls as early as the age of 11 and 12 are forced into this position, um, just as Mina. Um, and I'm really pleased to say that when we get them involved in our program, it's a community-based program where we get the whole community, not just the girls or the parents, but the community and the leaders involved. And we see transformation and change and child marriage stops in those communities. Mina is also a daylight woman. The people group sometimes called the untouchables because cultural protocols demand that the, um, that the delit remain separate and lower in status than other caste of people. For Mina, this actually meant that she had no Nepalese citizenship. So that's a big thing too in countries. If you've got no citizenship, you have no identity. And it even psychologically is, uh, has great profound impact on the individual. Therefore, with no citizenship, she also had no education, no access to income, no rights, and she was not even allowed to leave her home without permission from her family. So basically captive within her own home. Without any way to know her rights or challenge these norms, Mina accepted that this would be just her life. It is what it is. 
She continued to live in the darkness of discrimination as a Dalit woman until about four years ago when Baptist World Aid and the local Christian partner started actually working in her community. Now she says this again, and I love testimony. It started with a community consultation meeting. She said, I just wanted to get out of the house, have a good reason to leave home and meet other women. And that actually led me to joining the self-help group. Now, a few years forward, this is now the result. It's a better life. Minna's life changed dramatically, and so did her self-worth. Through the self-help group, she received training to um, look after her animals and to help, uh, sorry, and, and, and with help from her partner to start a small local business commercially farming goats. So this is where the goats come in. Go the goats. Mina's business thrived and she has been able to provide now for her family, reinvest in her business, save for the future and pay for her children and grandchildren to now receive education. Moreover, as she realised her success, Mina has now become convinced that women had a much, sorry, has as much value as men did which is a big thing in some of these countries, and that she has now uh, the gifts needed to actually help her community rise them out of poverty. The first step was gaining her citizenship because only citizens can become officials in Nepal. Amina was determined to gain and place, uh, sorry, gain a place on the local council. And then she worked hard to show the people there that she could be trusted to advocate on their behalf. She's becoming a real hero. She says this, I started by visiting different stakeholders to put forward the issues of local people, sorry, that local people faced. This way I got to know what agencies, what resources were available so that I could make them accessible to those in my community who are poor. Now just reflect again, this is a young lady, young grandmother, 46 years old, who 30 years before that was forced into child marriage, who didn't have a voice. Mina now was then elected and is now a highly regarded woman in her community family. She and, a, um, she and her self-help group have now worked hard and seen improvements throughout the community. And these are some of the benefits now to the whole community. There's improved sanitation and many more homes now actually have a toilet. And if you've been to some of these countries, you'll notice that uh, you're lucky to have one community toilet and let alone have one in your own house. There's higher crop yields. There's farm, uh, farmers now can access better seed and learn modern farming techniques. The women can now more easily obtain citizenship for themselves, just like me and, uh, sorry, Mima, um, to actually also help their children. Families are now eating nutritionist food from newly established kitchen gardens and there is now a dairy uh, sorry, farming program that has commenced offering new income stream for the families with milking the animals. And I think the big thing for Mina as a woman, it's defying discrimination. In addition, Mima has a particular interest in uh, improving the life now of other women. She defies the norms that once held her down so that others can be raised up. Now, Mina makes time in her busy schedule to meet with women of all castes, 
encouraging them to know their rights and believe that they can actually transform the lives of their communities. Now her dream is for one of these women to become mayor, to do even more good for their community and one day see an end to discrimination, injustice and poverty for all people in her country. So I asked the question earlier on, you know, do you want to be part of changing the world? Um, what are we making room for? Um, we've got our community and like I said, this church does amazing things and we praise God for that. And I'm excited to see too that this church actually is planting churches. Praise God for that. But we also ask you to continue to pray for us as Baptist World Aid. It's the biggest thing we always ask for. Uh, because again, we know that when you pray, God answers prayer. And we really want you to get behind the heroes overseas as well this Christmas in fighting poverty. Your support will mean that our local partners can create more opportunities around the world to save and help people like Mina. Your gift this Christmas actually provides opportunities for more people like me to effectively lead themselves and others out of poverty. So look, I might just ask the band to come up again um, now. I'd like to just close in prayer. Um, I've got a little table at the back down there if you want to come and talk to me. There's so many different things that we can talk about and share. Um, but on behalf of Baptist World Aid, we just want to say thank you again so much and wish you a Merry Christmas and a very warm Merry Christmas from Maria and myself. And um, I just look forward to meeting with you after. So let's just bow our heads in prayer as the band comes up. Father God, we just want to thank you for the extraordinary gift of your son, Jesus Christ, Emmanuel, as we celebrate uh, this Christmas, his coming into a world that has fallen. Um, and Lord, we know that that's only part of the story. As we celebrate a communion today, we know, Lord, he gave uh, his life as a sacrifice. And then he rose again three days later. And we just, we just thank you, Father God, for uh, what you have done. And Lord, I just pray now for this community, for those that don't know you. I pray that this Christmas is a time where people will stop and think, that people will stop and uh, make room for what matters most, that they will come to know you as Lord and Saviour. And Lord, we continue to pray for the work of Baptist World Aid as well overseas. And uh, there is so much pain. But at the same time, Lord, we, we know that you're constantly at work. And uh, we just want to thank you for that. And we want to thank you for our Christian partners. We pray for protection on the ground. We pray for the people of Australia who support. Lord, we pray for the crisis in the Middle East and in the Ukraine and many other areas where our work is. And uh, we just pray, uh, as we did earlier on, for peace to come. And Lord, I pray for all the mission organisations as well around the world. And everybody plays their part. Uh, part of this incredible story as we are in this room here today. Um, Lord, may we be your hands and your feet wherever we go. And we just say this and we just uh, thank you, Father God, for everything. We ask this in your name. Amen. Amen.